Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Please be seated. So as I, as I was praying over tonight, as you all know, this series has been phenomenal, right? If you haven't seen any of the preachers done in the last five weeks, can I encourage you, go back and check it out. You will find something in every single one of the services that was brought. Um, and time and time again, you'll get something from it. It's such an invitation. Our Bible is, right? A book of invitations, love letter filled. Um, so as I, was, as I was praying about what to bring to you tonight, God just threw this phrase in my spirit and He said, check your invitation. And I was like, hey, God, that's awesome, right? That's an awesome one line, a great headline. What do I do with that, God? Like, what do you mean? No, what does that look like? What's the invitation? And he just said to me, just reminded me of this. I went to a Christmas party once. And what I did was I received the invitation. Checked off, you know, I'm coming, right? Stick it in a pile. It's Christmas time. I've got three kids, right? It gets really busy. Yeah, um, and of course, you know, I didn't send back the invitation, right? So we're not on the list. <laughs> we're not on the list. And not only that, but I actually missed the date for the Christmas party. So as you can imagine, I've got three kids, right? Santa comes to every Christmas party. There's presents, there's huge stuff. We missed it. I had chucked the invite in a pile and never got to it. So my kids missed out on this Christmas party, was not their best friend that night. But worst of all, I still had to cook dinner. <laughs> As a single parent, getting the night off from cooking dinner is like goal number one, right? Yeah, everything tastes better when someone else cooks it. But then this thought hit me, you know, how often do we actually forget to check our invitation? How often do we look at the Bible and we actually forget to check it, to read it, to be intentional, to actually know what God's inviting us to, what His expectation from us is, and what is in it for us. And so when I looked at the Bible, I looked at it and I'm thinking, God, you know, it's got some great instructions, right? Awesome stories. And it has all of these things. But most of all, it's actually a love letter to us. It's the most magnificent love story ever told. And it's wrapped up in an invitation. This invitation, right, that we get to be a part of. And we don't just have to sit on the sideline and watch someone else do all these amazing things, we actually get to do it too. You know, invitations to go deeper in prayer, right? To seek spiritual gifts, um, to sit at His table and dine with Him, to encounter and accept His Son Jesus, right? To receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, to trust Him and stand on every word that He writes in there. But most of all, it's an invitation to know God intimately to hear His voice, right? The difference between every other book and the Bible is the Bible is living, active, and there's a God on the other end of it who actually speaks to you. He wants you to hear Him. So, <laughs> so tonight I wanted to talk about that. This is the reason that we are here, right? The very reason that we aren't just, as soon as we give our life, gone, okay? And we live the good life in heaven, right? Where eternity is, where the streets are golden and everything is beautiful. It's the very reason that we actually wake up every morning. It's the longing and the deepest desire of our hearts. We are actually created for this. It's wrapped up in the fibre of being and it's actually in our DNA. Whether we know God or not, there is a longing to know the one who created us, even if we don't know who He is, right? <laughs> 
And you might be sitting here today going, hey, I know God, I love God. What's this in this for me, right? What has this got to do with me? This is a super simple core message that I've heard so many times. See, Blaise Pascal says this, and I love this statement. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every single person, which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. So I love this illustration that Pascal makes. The God-shaped hole is actually a vacuum, right? That we are forever needing to draw from Him, constantly and consistently drawing from Him as a life source, just like we take a breath every single day. It actually needs to be filtered through the voice of God. And look, you know, I've been a Christian. I'll tell you I've been a Christian for nearly 20 years. But the truth of that is that I've really only been a Christian for the last four years. Because prior to that, I was not a Christ follower. My life did not resemble anything close to what God calls us to be. I did not know the voice of God. And I can tell you that I sat in a pew every week. I even gave myself to volunteering in our kids for many, many years, but I actually didn't know God. I'd never heard His voice. And when I opened my Bible, there was some fantastic stories. And sure, there was some invitations on how to live, right? There was, you know, God likes it when you do this and God doesn't like it when you do this, right? And I could see that, but I couldn't maintain it because I hadn't anchored myself in His heart, which is where we're called to be seated. And so four years ago, that changed. I came to the end of me. And we know when we come to the end of us, we find God, right? We find God because He's waiting there knocking. He's going, hey, I'm over here, I'm over here. Will you just let me in, right? Will you just see how much I actually love you? That changed. So Matthew 6 is the key verse that I wanted to speak through tonight. And it's probably gonna go up on the screen in a second. So it's Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33. And it says this, So don't be anxious, asking what will you eat, what will you drink, or how will you be clothed? For it is the pagans who set their hearts on all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. See, in my journey, I wanted to have the things of the world because I thought that that was what made you somebody. That was what made you important, right? The world is very good at telling you that you need money to be able to survive. You need to have the nice house, the car that never breaks down, right? The job that everybody wants to have that's secure and stable. And when you tell people about it, you feel proud, right? The job that says, I'm somebody. I made something of my life. But the reality is that the kingdom doesn't work that way. It actually flips it on its head and says, the least of these are the most in the kingdom. And the most in the world actually become the least in the kingdom because it's about them and not about God. And so that concept sometimes can be a really, really painful one to grasp, right? Because even inside of us, in our journey, we all still have a little bit of us in the world that wants to hang on for dear life, right? It just wants to go and buy that next clothing item. It wants to save up for that next holiday. You know, that inkling in the back of you that opens your pay packet in your bank and goes, oh, I'll just pay everything else first. And then when I've got something left, I'll tithe, right? Right? because it's mine, 
But the kingdom says, no, you have because I gave you. And that's actually mine that you get to give some back to me because I don't want it all from you. I just want the first portion of it. I just want you to go, hey, what do you want, God? I want you to offer me that. So see, accepting the invitation, it means seeking first the kingdom. It means placing the highest value on the person and presence of God before anything else. See, it's from that place that we encounter a love that is so pure, so full, that it fuels your every desire, changes the narrative of your mind and restores your soul. So the world wants you to think that that's not true, that actually you just need to make sure that you get yourself right, that you have everything sorted out, that you have a savings account that has a great balance in it, that you know what you're doing four weeks from now so that you can work it out. And then it says, but we trust God. So it doesn't say I trust God. It actually says I trust me. It actually says I trust me. And please hear me when I say this, being good stewards of our finances is what we're called to do. But what we're not called to do is have it be the thing that drives us and the reason we feel secure. So there's a difference. There's a narrative of the world and a narrative of heaven. And oftentimes we can get very confused. See Matthew 22 verse 37 to 40 says this, Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. There's a reason the whole law and the prophets is summed up in these two commandments. It's because when our place and our heart is postured towards God first and foremost, we can't help but treat our neighbour with the same love and respect that we have for ourselves. We actually don't have to try to do it because we already know our value because God is the answer to our value. He's the line in the sand that says, I gave my son and that's what you're worth. And so we, we gauge everybody else from that place. Everything we do comes from that mindset. But sometimes I think we get stuck in this understanding that if we allot time, if we adhere to the things that God calls us to do, that we're stuck in religion. And I wanna tell you tonight, that's actually a lie. Okay, hearing to the Lord, doing what God likes us to do, what we know the desire of His heart is, what pleases Him, is actually not religion, it's relationship. It's placing value on God. It's caring about the things that He cares about and it's learning what pleases Him and the desires of His heart. See, we all know in a relationship, we have to be intentional, right? We have to learn what the other person's wants, needs, desires, all the things that they hold dear to them are. Because if we're not, our relationship falls apart pretty quickly. We've placed no value on the other person and we've actually placed no value on ourselves when we're in that space. Because when we can't value others, it means that we're actually not valuing ourselves. And so that relationship falls apart, right? It doesn't last very long because we're not being you know, great friends, we're not being a great partner, we're actually not caring about anybody but ourselves. So these commandments that God gives us, they're not to make Him feel good. He isn't sitting in heaven going, 
Yep, she read today. Oh, yep, she told someone about me. Yep, she tied this week. He's actually not doing that. See, God created us. He made us from the dust of the earth, Genesis tells us. So it makes sense that He would know what we need to stay on track, to be invested, intentional about our relationship with Him. See, oftentimes I think we come to God like the man with leprosy did to Jesus. If you're willing, God, if you're just willing, God, if you're just willing, God, I need to hear your voice. Like we we know, we think it's God. We think He wants to speak to us. We're just not 100% sure. You know, we have those little niggling thoughts that stick in the crux of our heart that goes, oh, but what if, right? That what if. But the truth is that God longs to hear from you, right? He longs to speak to you more than you actually long to hear His voice. See, He knocks at the door of your heart all of your life. There is never a moment where He is not knocking. We just don't hear Him because the things in the world become the loudest voices, right? And so when we look at the life of Jesus, we can see God gave His Son and His Spirit. So that doesn't sound to me like a God who's ticking and flicking through possible applicants for His kingdom. So why do we think that? Why do we think that God's up there doing that? And why are we ticking and flicking through the Bible and not actually paying attention and being intentional to understand what He wants from us? Because the relationship has two sides to it. We have an awesome God who is loving, who is kind, who is faithful, who is trustworthy. But sometimes we're the one who's not. It's us, right? It's us. We go, I trust you, God, but I'm just gonna work it out my way first. Or we come to God and we go, God, I need this, 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 and this done. But we never ask Him what He wants to do. It's His kingdom, right? Why would we think we know better? How could we? That's the reality of it. He knows, you know? He asks us to put hard things down, but when He asks us to put something down, there's something better in its place. There's something else that we have to pick up. And if we don't trust Him, we never get to see it. There are so many times in my journey, and I've watched it in the last four years, where I've learned along the way that sometimes putting down hard things is worth it. And when God asks you to do it, there is no sometimes. It is always worth it. See, when my kids and I got to the coast, we ended up in a domestic violence refuge. We walked out of our home with five minutes to spare, a washing basket full of uniforms. And that's what we walked away with. 35 years of my life was gone. It was a washing basket. It was a couple of uniforms, not even any underwear for my children, which is now a joke, by the way. (laughs) And you know, I look back now and even then, and what God asked me to put down, I didn't actually want anyway. I didn't actually want it. I thought I did. I thought that's what I wanted. I thought that those things made up who I was. I thought those things bought me security. I thought those things bought me happiness. 
and they didn't. They were but a grain in the sand of life. But if I'd never been obedient to what God had said, I would be bitter, resentful, angry, and now chasing something that wasn't even worth holding on to. You know, the interesting thing is that in that journey, God actually completely changed our lives. When God says you have to lose your life in order to find it, He's not joking. This is a literal statement. You have to lose everything you think you need in order to find who you are. Because who you find will be so much greater than what you lost because that wasn't actually you. That was the worldly you. The you that the world had made you believe made you happy, but actually you spent all of your life chasing your tail, never getting a second to think about the fact that actually none of it made you happy. And if you did, you ended up at a doctor's surgery being told you had depression because that's what it does, right? This constant hopelessness. No, the interesting thing is, and one of the things I wanna point out to you tonight, and I just wanna break that lie off. I thought for a very long time that I had to get myself right. I had to be healed and fixed before God wanted to know me. And I wanted to bring your attention to a story in Genesis 3, 9, where God called Adam. He says, where are you, right? And in this story, this is already, you know, Adam and Eve are in the garden. They've actually eaten the fruit from the tree. They've actually been deceived, right? They know that they're now naked and they're hiding. But the invitation God gives them still stands. See, there's nothing that you could have done or that you will ever do that will actually get God to retract the invitation to know you, to do life with you, to hear His voice, right? Nothing. See, Adam and Eve's decision brought about the fall of humanity and sit into the world. But yet the invitation still stood. This invitation was given after they'd eaten the fruit, after they were hiding in the garden. See, God knew they were hiding. He didn't need them to tell Him, but His invitation still stood. See, sometimes we can think that we just need to get something right, that we don't, you know, we need to hide this or hide that, but God sees it all. And He actually, it's not about what you've done. It's about your heart. It's always about your heart. See, it's this love, this love that empowers us to be intentional about our decision to put God first. See, God asks us to put Him first, not because He wants to dictate and control us, but because He knows. He knows that we're human. He knows our line in the sand changes, right? It moves when we're contending and waiting through hard times, yeah? We swap and change. Our line in the sand changes. what we consider to be acceptable behaviour and right and wrong changes and moves because it's subjective to each individual person. (laughs) See, when our focus is on things other than God, we can be distracted. I wanna tell you tonight that we were made for more than just a prayer in the morning or in the afternoon. We were made for more than just church attendance once or twice a week, right? We were even made for more than just reading our Bible daily. Please hear me. These are great things. They are necessary, but they are the overflow from our relationship with God. When we do them out of a place that is not the overflow, 
we get stuck. We don't find God in it. And we end up in what's called hope deferred because we're looking desperately seeking to fix ourselves when the one who actually will fix us and wants to fix us is already at the door knocking. See, we were created to do life with God. And this was made possible by the blood of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. See, you've been made alive in your spirit and one with God's spirit. See, we're not just invited to do life with God, we're invited to trade the natural for supernatural, the mundane for epic, the broken, the lost and broken for found and filled, orphaned to adopted and victim to victorious. See, the Bible is filled with promises, invitations to accept and believe, but it's your choice. See, it's your choice because it's not love without choice. See, your friendship with God can go as far as the depth of His Lordship in your life. The depth of your surrender will be the depth of your obedience. So tonight, I wanted to bring you with three keys to your walk with God. So the first one is intentionality. So there's times in our walk with God, especially at the beginning, right? We have all the feels, goosebumps, tears. We can feel the heat. And the presence of God is thick, right? We know this reassures us that we are in His presence, that we've got it right and it fuels us to continue to abide. But as we grow in our journey with God and the seasons of our lives change, so too does the way that God interacts with us, right? So let's be really real. There'll be days when you won't feel goosebumps. There'll be days where there's no joy, right? There'll be days when you feel far from God, okay? But these are not indicators that you've fallen away or that you've fallen out of love with Him or even that you've done something wrong. It's simply God inviting you into a deeper level of surrender. And if we don't jump over the threshold, if we don't step through the door, we'll stay where we are and we'll feel discontented, okay? And the enemy will jump on and tell you all sorts of lies, okay? So it's on these days that when the rubber hits the road, we need to be intentional, right? We need to be intentional about walking out our faith with fear and trembling. See, there's two things in the Bible that God says we can test Him on. The first one is tithing, and that's found in Malachi. But the second is that if we call on His name, that He will answer us. See, Psalm 91.15 says, He will call on me and I will answer Him, right? And if He's not a man that He should lie or the son of man that He should change His mind, then this, this statement here, this actual words here mean that He's going to encounter me, that He's going to hear me, that He's going to answer me. Right? So then that means that my job, what I have to do is actually call on Him. It's actually be intentional, right? So it's on those days, okay, that we're invited to press in intentionally until we feel the lie break, the atmosphere shift, knowing that the truth is that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives inside us. See, through His Spirit, He abides with us and we abide with Him. The enemy wants you to think that it's all about how you feel. It's all about what you can see and that there's nothing else. This is simply a lie, right? It's not the truth. It's a lie to stop you from being intentional, 
from being surrendered and maturing in your relationship with God. And a lie that if you partner with it will lay roots in your heart. It'll open the door to shame and condemnation. See, the enemy knows that feelings make great servants, but terrible masters. The second key is trust. So the Hebrew word for trust is amuna. It's a beautiful word, beautiful word. And it has many facets to its meaning. We often read it translated as faith, but this only conveys a small portion of its understanding. See, amuna means trust, faith, belief, confidence and devotion. All of these words require a choice followed by an action. See, amuna is a noun. It's a word used to identify a class of people whose convictions can be seen by their actions. You see, you can't have trust without faith and you can't have faith without trust. The two are intertwined together. And it produces a confidence in us, right? In our belief and it fuels us to stand on the convictions of our heart. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by trust and not by sight. To trust something or someone, we've made a decision, right? It requires us to count the cost in one form or another. See, in your journey with God, things will come against you that require you to stand on your beliefs. The very conviction of your heart about who God is and who you are in Him will be tested. That's the reality of it. And it's not to bring fear, Right, but an understanding that if you think you can finish well with knowing about God and never actually knowing God, then you're in for a rough ride, right? If you haven't been intentional about our time with God, then the reality is the conviction of our heart will be surface level. It'll be super shallow, right? And life will be a roller coaster that will ultimately end in a disaster, This is not God's desire for you. His heart for you is to be found in His heart, to be buried in the place where the enemy can't get to you, where the things that come at you in this world have no value in them. They don't even rate on your top 10 anymore because God has saturated that list with who He is and who you are and the promises He has for you. But if you choose to only live at the surface level and never go deeper, then God will honour that because He loves you. And He's given you a choice. See, trust is formed over time through a personal relationship. Trust is produced when we place faith in the fire and see the outcome. See, faith is what we start out with, but trust is what the finished product is. Ephesians 2 verse 8 tells us that it is by faith we have been saved. But let me be clear, it is by the conviction of our trust that we will endure till the end. The third key I wanted to bring tonight was reverence. So reverence means to have a deep respect for someone or something. Having a deep respect for God, His presence and our relationship with Him is imperative. See, when we have a deep respect for God, it allows us to be authentic with Him. Because the understanding that He sees everything, even our worst day and our biggest mistake, and He still says, I love you. It allows us to receive from Him, to place value on what He says, and it keeps us intentional about our relationship with Him. See, having a reverence for God, 
empowers us to keep our relationship with Him sacred. Because sacredness requires the blood of our will. The story of King David's life is a great example of this. See, for many years, I looked at David's life and I couldn't work out why God called him the man after his own heart. Did not get it. Crazy stuff that David did, right? Crazy stuff. If you haven't read the story of King David's life, go and read it. It's phenomenal and also pretty gruesome. (laughs) But, you know, I studied these books for months on end, trying to work out why God would say that. Finally, after months of pondering, I asked God, right? Intentionality. If you ask Him, He will answer. Don't know why I didn't do it to begin with. (laughs) So His answer was super simple and it changed my life and my heart posture. He said, I call David a man after my own heart because he lived a lifestyle of repentance. See, David counted his relationship with God as sacred and he knew that anything that wasn't of God was going to hinder that relationship. See, David held his relationship with God in such reverence that his first thought, his go-to in every day, in everything was to seek God. See, when we have a reverence for God, it fuels our desire to please Him. It places, value, his, it places his values far above our own. It convicts our heart when we have made mistakes and leads us into a lifestyle of repentance ourselves. See, reverence stops us from running from God and helps us to run to God, knowing that He is a good Father, whose desire is to see us walk in our God-given identity. See, each and every one of us here tonight has been invited into an intimate relationship with God. Psalm 25 verse 14, and it's in the Passion Translation says this, there's a secret place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit and receive the secrets of His heart. What a beautiful invitation. What a beautiful invitation. It has nothing on the end of it that says you have to fix yourself up. You have to be perfect. You have to be right. You have to tick to all those lists today. It just says there's a secret place reserved for you. See, a lifestyle of surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and nothing short of this will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. See, the narrative of the world will tell you that you just need to fill it with something else. You need to go and buy another pair of shoes, have another holiday, another Netflix series that'll distract you. See, I don't believe in happenstance and I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that we have a very intentional God who has woven the Bible into a beautiful tapestry that is a love story wrapped in an invitation. And I believe tonight that each and every one of you has been brought here for a reason. I believe that tonight He wants to refresh and reignite the passion and desire to seek Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth. So that means with your heart and your intentionality. So being a Christian isn't a religion, right? It isn't even just a relationship, it's a lifestyle an intentional choice to follow Jesus, to check your invitation and know what you have been invited to. See, we're all seated with Christ in heavenly places, but if we don't check our invite, we'll sit at the wrong table. We'll spend our lives fighting for a place at a table that we actually weren't even meant to sit at. 
and we'll miss the one that was actually brought with for, for us with blood, sweat and tears. So my question I wanna leave you with today is have you checked your invitation lately? Have you looked what it says? Have you delved deep into it and asked the Holy Spirit to take you on a treasure hunt that will change your life forever? See, if you'd asked me five years ago if I would be standing up here today, I would have laughed at you because that was not even close to in my heart because I didn't even know my own heart. If you will allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you, you will find an adventure that will bring you a lifetime of joy, laughter, and sure, there will be moments of hard times, but what you have in the midst of those hard times will far outweigh anything that you have to go through.